Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. He is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman, and unfortunately, it's time to relive the Giants game. <sighs> no. You're jazzed. I'm jazzed. Everyone's jazzed. This is one of those where it's like, thank God it's a short turnaround. Even if even if we expect potentially uh, not the, the happiest of Commander's Thanksgivings against Dallas, it's just like, we don't have to talk about this game anymore as of tomorrow. So that's exciting. We got that going for us, which is nice. Yeah, so it, it it's really weird talking about this game from the defensive side, from the defensive perspective, because they did a lot of really good things. And they probably played their most consistent three quarters that they've played the whole year. Um, but you, we kind of get back to the things that have plagued this team throughout. It's the big plays. It's kind of the, the late losses. You know, we talk about the Seattle game and how that wasn't a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, but they were really consistent on third down until they weren't consistent on third down. This team was excellent at stopping the run, excellent at creating pressure until like they weren't doing that. And I think that's one of the things that's so frustrating about this game. When, when you watch it, it's like, man, there's a lot, the defense, probably played well enough to win the game obviously they didn't win the game so that's a weird kind of you know circular thing there but it it, it was fun it was fun for me to go watch the defensive film for a lot of it because I'm like oh man this is a great disguise here this is a great blitz this is a really nice pass rush look at look at John getting pressure here there was a ton of stuff like that oh Jamin like fitting on the fullback great job and then all of a sudden you're like there's five plays in the third quarter and I think this is maybe the most telling statistic for me so I chart Green plays is good plays. Red plays is bad plays. In the first three quarters, there are five what I would call red plays, right? There's there's two touchdowns, and then there's something about there's two touchdowns, and then there's three other plays where it's like a third down conversion or whatever. You get to the fourth quarter, there are five plays in that period that are bad. And you can think about them right now if you're a fan off the top of your head, right? And that, yeah. to me, that's the difference in in the game. You know, it was really good, and then it wasn't very good, so... Yeah, it's, I mean, that and the obvious turnovers, which we'll get to yeah, on the we'll offensive side. But, um, and there's a bit of the dam breaking, like we talked about on on the Instant Reaction show, where it's like, well, you know, if you just, you just lose the spirit of it to a point, but also, you know, you're professionals, you gotta, you gotta finish. And that's what we talked about a lot this year. Um, as we get a little more tactical and, and start this defensive breakdown, though, like the other, the other thing we've talked about a lot this year is the big plays. And yeah. I think what's frustrating, Logan, and watching it back, and you and I just watched, you know, 10, 10, 15 plays or so together even, 
And one of the things that we're talking about is like the wheel route touchdown for Saquon mm -hmm. Barkley, right? Every single team that the commanders play oh. runs this, uh, some version of this play, this concept against them. And Jamin's done a solid job some weeks and they've hit it on others. And on other weeks, they've uh, gotten lucky. The commanders have where like there was the one, was it last week where the ball was underthrown and he winds up getting a hand in two that weeks was, ago? Uh, New England, oh, no, it was yeah. New England. Yeah. Uh, where it probably should have been a touchdown, but Mac Jones, Mac Jones did. Um, and Jamin makes a nice play, uh, you know, batting it down on an underthrown ball. And so, like, when you keep, when a player is proves, like, hey, this is not my strong suit, which, in fairness to Jamin, like, outside of Fred Warner, I don't know how many linebackers are like, yeah, I crushed this wheel route against a running back in yeah. space with very limited help. Like, that's a tough ask. And especially the way the Giants set it up, they did a really good job of releasing Saquon to a place where, he often runs like the choice route, kind of that angle, Texas route, whatever you want to call it, where it's kind of this V-shape and you come back in. Saquon gives him a little juke to the inside uh, and then sprints down the sideline on the wheel route. So it's a really, really tough ask for Jamin Davis or for any NFL linebacker. And so if it happens every week, at some point as a coach, you have to go, we need a different solution. Right. Like we have to figure out either a better coaching point, say like, hey man, no matter what, don't get beat here. Let's play with different leverage. Let's, you know, make sure that we have help in situations where we think this comes up. And obviously like it's e always easier once you've seen the play to be like, oh, well, if they had just done that, why didn't Cam Curl, you know, cheat this? Forbes had the, the, the player that was going over the middle, like Cam as a safety should have identified the threat better. But like, it's easy when you know what's coming because right. it already happened and you're watching film. And that's good, as you talk about a lot, like as an offense, it's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to create those matchups. And, you know, if, if we're watching this from the Giants perspective, we're giving Kafka and Dable a, a rousing round of applause for creating the thing yeah. that you want. But I, I guess like, as a as a defensive coach, like I got to take that one on the chin and be like, we keep putting this guy in this spot. It's no wonder the same results keep happening. Like it's the definition of insanity thing of doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And to me, that's when it shifts from a player's responsibility to a coach's responsibility. Yeah, I think that's a really good good kind of perspective on it. And I think it's important to just kind of acknowledge like what the team's been doing. Like in those three by one looks. They have a very high tendency to match the the one receiver side, which is very common right now because you want to get four over three. You know, you want to get four defenders over the three receiver side. So the way you do that is you say, we got to play man over here. And so if you're matching the outside receiver with the corner and you're basically playing man, then that hook, then the hook player or the outside linebacker, the safety, whoever that is, usually has to play man on the back. And that's, again, that's a very common thing in like this Vic Fangio era of defense because it allows you to play numbers. You're basically playing stats here, right? You're saying they're more likely to throw to the three receiver side than they are to the single receiver side. So we're okay being a little bit less coverage sound over here. And I, and I just want to say like, even though, you know, Jamin's had a hard time with it, Cam, when he was playing the, the kind of Buffalo nickel role last year, he mm -hmm. had a wheel against Minnesota, same exact play. You know, it's the same exact play because that's a tough coverage ask for that player in that situation. Because basically what you're what you're relying on is that the rush gets home quick enough that the coverage can be good, right? So on that play, for example, the rush doesn't quite, you know, do what it's supposed to do. They've got, you know, and that's that's a tough down. But essentially what I'm saying is that they the, the defense seems to have a high frequency of running that coverage adjustment to three by one in the red zone. So if I'm a defense, if I'm an offensive coach, I say, 
can we get this matchup? Do we like the matchup, A, right? Do we like Jamin Davis on our running back? And Jamin, to his credit, does a pretty good job matching backs. Like, you know, it's not yeah. perfect. Even but on does, this play, like, yeah. DeVito makes a hell of a throw. Yeah, he does a pretty good job. He's a good athlete. He's long. He can run. And I think, like you said, he's in pretty good phase here. But if I'm Jack, right, I'm kind of saying, um, you know, I don't love their most explosive player on our linebacker. I, w- I want something different there. I want a different coverage solution. And and to Jack's credit and to the team's credit, they they seem to kind of adjust their coverage approach as they went. So instead of free, like letting the back free release, they just let the defensive end reroute the back. And it really stymied a lot of the stuff they were trying to do to the back later. So that's a really good adjustment. And I don't know if they were supposed to do it early in the game. You know, there's a young football player in playing defensive end of that side. Maybe he forgets. Maybe he lets Jamin out to drive. I don't know. But there was a pretty high awareness of Saquon after this play. And I think um, they kind of, I think they're probably aware of the um, of the matchup there. But also, like the coverage is pretty good. To me, the rush doesn't get home. It's kind of a comedy of, not a comedy of errors, but it's it's the thing that's been kind of damaging for the team. It's a situation where you, you don't love the matchup defensively. You don't get the pressure you want. And maybe you don't get the execution you want from the defensive end. And those things are all speculative at this point. But those are things that right. I would just kind of call attention to. Right. And I also would say this, like, it's a tough ask from Cam, but like when he wants to be paid like the best safety in the league, mm. you know, that that top end speed to get from the middle of the field truly to the sideline. And again, it's a great throw by DeVito. It's a tough play. Like, it is a really, like, it's a small window to get it as clean as it looks, right? Like, Saquon doesn't even really take a hit uh, from from Cam on this, Um because the throw is so good, it's on a, the right trajectory with the right velocity, and it's pinpointed to the sideline. But could Cam erase all of that other stuff as a safety and like just make an Ed Reed play, right? Like that's what separates the absolute best of the best from like, hey, Cam Cam did a, what he was supposed to, and there's just not quite enough time to get there, uh, and a good throw beats you, and like. That's a lot of what I think has happened this year where there's like, like you were saying, it's not a comedy of errors isn't really the right term, but it's yeah. like a, a, a tragic combination of not quite good enough. Right, right, right. And, and I think that's the thing like with with regards to Cam, like I don't know if there's a, a safety playing now that can make that play. Obviously, you mentioned Ed Reed, Bob yeah. Sanders, Troy Polamalu, Earl Thomas, like those guys, like that's why they're going to Hall of Fame playing safety, right? Because right. they can make that play. And I'm not sure Cam – I think Cam's a very good football player. I think he's a better football player near the line of scrimmage. But that's – that's your point. Like, that's the differentiating factor between those guys. And, and again, like, if I'm coaching, I'm saying Sam, like – or Sam, uh, Cam, match the three-by-one. Like, that's where we're probably thinking the ball is going to go. But the second the quarterback opens his shoulders and is pointing that direction, I got to make a beeline for that. And – um, it's, it's a, t- it's tough. So again, it's, it's just not quite there from the safety spot. It's not quite there from Jamin. It's not quite there from the rush. And I don't think Jamin or cam are bad on this play. I think the rush, I, if I'm, if I'm the coach, I'm saying, Hey man, like we need more here, right? Like right. this, we, he can't sit there and make this throw, but what do I expect? I guess we traded two of our starting defensive linemen, uh, FA Obata gets hurt. And we were we're starting two rookies, or yeah, they're and in the James rotation. hurt. So like yeah, you're you're it, down to your fourth, you know, or guy who is at least fifth on the depth chart to start correct. the season. Yeah, and I and I think sixth, KJ Henry. Casey, I think yeah. KJ Henry did some really good stuff in this game, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But you know, and, and Andre Jones did some good stuff. But they're young players, and right. they're not consistent with the rush. So 
Um, and they're getting better. And so like the first time with extensive minutes. So I'm not, this isn't me bashing those guys because I think they did some really good things that I'm, I'm excited to see the more of, but the rush wasn't there. And so you kind of you kind of put the coverage in a bad spot. And, you know, when Ron says like, oh, you know, like last week or on the pregame show, when we were talking about, oh, the rush hasn't been consistent. Like this is the type of stuff he's talking about. Like when you watch when you watch the Giants versus the commanders offense, when you watch the Cowboys versus the Giants offense from a couple of weeks ago, like when the rush is home, like it covers up so many mistakes in the back end and it just makes it so much easier to play coverage. And they just haven't been consistent um, in that in that department throughout the year. And um, and, that, and that's been probably a point of frustration for it's a point of frustration for me and it's a point of frustration for the staff, too. So, yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, and again, it's just like there's so many things where it consistently, though, like there's just not they haven't had answers all year. And so like the rail route stuff is one of them. And like all this stuff could in some level be helped by the rush, obviously. Right. Um, but can you be prepared for not suboptimal situations? They're by nature suboptimal. So you're not going to get them all the time. Um, but another one that's killed them all year is, is kind of these mesh concepts. And in this mm. case, it's like a mesh a mesh leak, if you will. Yeah. Um, the touchdown so talk about to what a leak is, because I don't think a lot of people know. What yeah. So a leak route is, some like basically you're going to come across the formation and then uh, leak. I'm not using the word in the definition. That's it's, it's like uh, it's you're usually gonna, you're going to get vertical up the sideline. So it's uh, usually off a of play action, right? right? Heavy play action. You run a sell run to the left, right? So when you sell a run to the left, usually the defense thinks you're rolling back to the uh, to to your right away from the action, right? To kind of get right. to the perimeter. And so what you do is you take a receiver. It used to be a tight end. I used to run this play all the time, and you yeah. kind of hide. And then you work your way up the sideline for like a seam throw, right? And so a couple of years ago, everyone said, why do we have our third string tight end doing that when we have like Cooper Cup or somebody do that? So they have Darius Slayton do that, much faster guy. And right. so the run action kind of clears the linebackers out. It forces a specific response from the backside corner, like because you're usually running a crossing route. So they'll kind of match that because they think yep. you're rolling away. And then... Right. So in, th in this case, they play action to the right. And then Slayton comes from the offensive right back across the formation and then, again, leaks up the left sideline yeah. um, to the offensive left. And I think they uh, play action to the left. It's play action left. Oh, sorry, play action left, yeah. yeah. And Slayton comes from the right uh, and then leaks up the, the left sideline. And you think that DeVito, because he's play actioning left, is going to boot right. Correct, uh, yeah. And then, and then instead he stops and throws the ball kind of back across, which is why it's you know a leak, like it's hidden. Yeah. Uh, on that backside. The first time I remember seeing this play uh, run uh, or a version of this was when Jordan and Vernon were here as tight yeah. ends mm -hmm. um, and they had Vernon run it, which is like, oh yeah, when your backup right tight end runs a 4-4, like that's the best of both worlds. Right. You think he's just like coming across as a sneaky blocker and then he takes off up the sideline um, and they hit Vernon for a touchdown for it uh, back in like 2016 or whatever. Anyway, yeah. um, this is like, this one's more comedy of errors to me. Mm. Um, but it, it, the reason I call it like a mesh leak and kind of lump it in is because it's, it's routes crossing yeah. and that has been a huge problem. The ability to properly stick with a guy or pass it off or understand how you're passing it off, uh, create lanes to let people run where they need to run. And basically what happens on this play is Kendall Fuller looks like he's got Slayton in man to man. And you always want to play on different levels as a corner uh, or as, as DB so that you have space to run so that you don't run into each other. And as offensive players, uh, if you're well coached, which the, the, the giants are I almost said the bills, cause Isaiah Hodgins, the guy right. who becomes the pick here was with Brian Dable in Buffalo. And has certainly been running this with Dable for years. 
It was like, okay, well, if my job is to kind of be the pick guy, I'm going to run directly at the defender and, and make him make a decision. I'm not going to let him get around me easily. Right. And what happens on this one is Percy Butler and Danny Johnson lock on to Hodgins and they become this giant three-man blob of a pick that Kendall starts to go over, realizes I got to go even wider. And by the time he bubbles over the top, he's got no chance at Slayton. So we watched this, what, four, five, six times yeah. to try to figure out what's, uh, what could have happened here. The end result is like, obviously it's a touchdown and they did not play it well, whatever it was, mm -hmm. whether it was supposed to be passed off, whether it's supposed to be, hey, give Kendall space to run through, whether, you know, Danny Johnson should have fallen off, uh, you know, whether, I don't even know, I can't even remember all the other options at this but point. But those, those were the main ones, right? Yeah, like, but it's it, like, I, the, it just doesn't seem like they're on the same page or that they're, it's detailed up to the level that the Giants offense is, where Hodgins right. is like, watch what I can do. Right. I'm going to be a giant mess and mm -hmm. Slayton's wide open. Yeah, and I think that that's like kind of the main point is like this this kind of keeps popping up like the the um the rail in the red zone keeps popping up, right? These mm -hmm. mesh passing off pops up quite a quite a bit. And you know, obviously when you're playing like match coverages and when you're playing true man like on a crossing route, I want to be able to pass it off. So, I think, you know, if this was a keeper, like the way they play keeper in certain coverages. So, what I mean keeper, it's like instead of throwing the leak like that front side receiver. So you're play actioning to the left. That receiver to the left is going to run like a 10-yard cross. And so right. in that look, that safety usually cuts the cross and the corner usually drops out. Now, that's coverage dependent. If they're trying if they're playing true man, you wouldn't you would just stick to your guy and the safety is going to stay in the post. But they very rarely play true man. It's usually got some match element, which is why we're like it looks like Percy's supposed to cut that and he's supposed to fall off. Yeah, he Danny just, should have fallen off and been underneath that route. Yeah, been right in right in the leak window. And so, but again, like because they run so many different coverages, so many variations of similar coverages, it's hard to know exactly what they were supposed to do on that play. But those are the details that keep popping up. You know, on the fourth and two, for example, which we've talked, which we talked about, they run actual mesh and they just drop the tight end in coverage. You know, right. Uh, this is the one where where they get lucky because the I mean this is one where the rush covers for a huge yes, coverage mistake. Right. Um, if Forbes gets hurt on the play, that one. Yeah. yeah. There's a they just completely botch the coverage. Dude is wide open. It's almost like people got distracted by Forbes going down. Uh, yeah. And then also the 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 pass rush helped on that one quite a well, bit. Well, even that one I think is really interesting because you get they start in a bunch, and again bunches have been problematic for us, right? Yep. Saquon runs essentially a, re, uh, a wheel, which Jamin matches, but Cam Curl also matches. And so then someone is supposed to cover the tight end, and he just sits over the ball at 10 yards, and there's no one in the shot. Like, you could pause the yeah, frame, it's and it's like the tight end and nobody else. Yeah, he's and, so open, it's ridiculous. And so thank God that Mayo, you know, and, and the rush is there, and they get a sack and all that kind of stuff. Or he throws it away or whatever he does. But I think those are the types of things that they pop up so consistently. You're just like, there has to be a better way. You know, when you talk to Fred, for example, and he played defense, you know, 15 years ago, so things have changed quite a bit. But, you know, even when I was playing, like defenses and defensive backs, when you're in a bunch, it's like you couldn't get those guys to shut up. They were talking so much. And here, it feels like everybody's less communicative. And I'd be just be curious to talk to somebody in the building and be like, how are we communicating this? Like, what's our rule for this? And I guess there's times where you see that and you're like, there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a consistent like modus operandi for when we're in a bunch, you know, like who's yeah. doing what? And like, you know, for example, we play teams and they did the same thing to bunches all the time, which Kyle was able to exploit or Sean was able to exploit or whoever. 
But I think that's something that um, it just pops up so regularly. Um, there's 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 something dysfunctional about the process regarding these crossing concepts and and tight bunches and tight formations. Yeah, no, it's um, and, and by the way, forget what not forget what Fred said. Sorry, Smoot. I wouldn't forget. I would. How could we ever forget Fred Smoot? <laughs> he won't let us. Um, Benjamin St. Juice after the game was like we some of this stuff like our defense is so complicated that we just struggle with it and i think it would be easier if we played simpler coverages like talk about leaks there's starting to be some some yeah. displeasure expressed well, in the press with how some of this stuff is because they can't fix it and like it seems like the fix sometimes has been to give them more potential solutions as opposed to simplifying and saying like this might not be the op create the most optimal solution all the time but at least everyone will know what they're doing. And that right. would be more optimal than whatever has happened. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah. And, and it's funny because obviously somebody, people know how to get this, this concepts and these concepts communicated because everyone runs some form of man match in the NFL. Yep. They have different tools or different solutions or whatever. So uh, that this is something that again, like it's interesting to hear St. Juice say that. And, you know, St. Juice handled it well because he was like, you know, obviously we've seen this work before and we've seen this executed at a high level and how it elevates our defense. I thought that was very diplomatic in terms of his response, but yeah. I do think it shows a, a certain element of frustration that um, is uh, probably understandable at this point. So, yeah, and it goes back, frankly, to something we've been talking about as a question uh, since the off season, which is like how do these coaches coach? Like, how are they as teachers, right? right. It's not necessarily about play calling, although, you know, some of this is. Um, but, but it's, it's really more about, like, do you have the ability as a staff to make sure that you teach it at such a level where of understanding by the players that they don't mess it up, that they really understand why they're doing everything and thus they make the proper adjustments and they all make the same one and they're all on the same page because it makes sense to them and it doesn't feel like a giant guessing game. And thus you have the the miscommunication and the uh, kind of fundamental mistakes where like, if you're just saying, hey, play outside leverage for the sake of playing outside leverage, it's not going to stick as well as saying, oh, hey, uh, you're playing outside leverage because we need this guy to do that. And it creates this here. And there's kind of not this like global level of understanding on this defense very clearly based off the results. Yep, absolutely. And it'd be, uh, you know, these are things that are challenging to correct, but I think they can be corrected if, you know, communicated effectively. It's just kind of to your point, is there, you know, is there a way to get that done? So, yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else on the defensive side? Uh, I mean, obviously we said we'd talk a little bit about the young guys rushing. Um, anything else that's worth mentioning? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think a lot of people had good games. I think KJ Henry did yeah. some really good things. I think um, I mean, you got nine sacks and you got gave up zero rush yards to three quarters. Like, yeah, there's Mayo clearly a good, lot of good there. Mayo did a good job. I thought Big Phil early had a good game. I thought Ridgeway had a good game. Um, I think Casey Tuhill flashes at times. You know, Jamin does some stuff in the run game that's that's getting to be kind of that next level run defender, which is great to see. I thought Forbes did some good stuff. I mean, like, gosh, I feel like man. Forbes had a really good one. It's just again. He, he had a couple in the two-minute drive right before half where, you know, there's crossing routes. He doesn't get, get, to get it quite covered up. But he has two beautiful PBUs. Great job by him. Like, great to see that. One in the one in the 
low Band red zone. for a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, like like great job. And that's really tough coverage. Ash. Hard play action. Everyone steps up. He's so smooth on that play. Like you see why he has so many interceptions. And you know, he's it, to me the thing that stands out for thirteen is he's starting to adjust to the speed of it all. I think so too. And that's that's really nice to see. And I think the other one that I thought was maybe better was there was a pylon route, so like a high corner um, mm -hmm. going away from the ends, uh, away from the tunnel, and he kind of just easily undercuts, it gets his hand on the ball, no pi, no nothing, just great footwork, great position, and you see that you know why he's a first round pick, obviously. And then I think a guy that two weeks in a row, man, has just been playing with his hair on fire. It's Percy Butler. Like he is doing a lot of really good stuff. He's tackling much better. He had some tough like coverage asks he made some nice tackles on screens um and like if he can figure it out like that's going to be really beneficial for this defense i think he was the highest graded player again this week for the defense yeah. and there, you know there's some stuff there to, to point out because pff doesn't know this but you know like is he supposed to you know on the leak is he supposed to pass that off or whatever and we don't know but in terms of tackles and fit and runs i thought he did a really nice job so i think the point is like they did some really good stuff defensively it's just they had a letdown. I think another one we got to call attention to is we talked about the rail. We talked about the um, the leak. The other one that is really frustrating is the toss crack run to Saquon Barkley. Like that's an issue they yeah, had. Yeah, the one that the one that broke the dam. Yeah, that, that's they've had an issue with that run for the for most of the year. And again, they did a good job early stopping it uh, against Seattle, for example. They did a good job st stopping it, so they, they have the ability to do it. But this one, you know, Andre Jones is in. Quan Martin's in and Quan's playing better ball too. So again, two guys that are playing well on this play, I think their their youth and their lack of awareness leads to a big opportunity here. And guys could have saved it for him, but um, you know, like there's stuff like that. And I think overall, like I said, there's over the course of 51 plays, there's 10 bad ones, which is very unusual for this group. You know, that it's not been that. Um, and so I think it's it's an interesting game to talk about because there really are just a handful of plays that you want back um, from an execution standpoint. So, yeah, um, unfortunately, those so those big ones, you know, it's not even if you can, again, make it the 15, 20 yard big one versus the touchdown big one. That's right. the difference in a game sometimes. And uh, they couldn't do that. And that, uh, unfortunately, is a big reason why uh, they lost the game. 100 percent. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman here, Logan Paulson there. Uh, we are off this week from the Take a Man pregame show, uh, so we're not at Tap Sports Bar, but we'll be back there ahead 
of the Miami game at MGM National Harbor. But if you want to listen on the radios, you're driving to uh, wherever you're going to watch the game on Thanksgiving, make sure you check out our guy Denton Day, who's holding down the fort. Uh, so there will be a Take Command pregame show. It'll just be on the radio. No, uh, no YouTube stream. Uh, I'm going to try to hop on with Denton. So uh, looking forward to that. But uh, our guy Denton Day is is doing doing a great job uh, always, and we're happy to have him uh, fill in for us on Thanksgiving Day. And so make sure that you check him out there. All right, the offense. Um, yeah. I like watching this game back was so frustrating because they couldn't get anything going in part because they couldn't get started, right? They have two turnovers on their first two possessions and then kind of mid second quarter, they start to find a little bit of a vibe and then they get into the third and they keep it going. They're running the football really well. And then Chris Rodriguez fumbles and it just feels like the air totally comes out of the balloon. And by the way, that's right when the dam breaks for the defense too. Like the next play from scrimmage, I think is the, the toss crack to Saquon. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, timing wise in the, in that third quarter, like Maybe, it's, yeah. it's end of the third quarter when, when he does and they, and it just feels like, okay, like this was cute giants. You guys are, are, are trying to be competitive and you're trying to do the thing where you beat the commanders. Cause you always beat the commanders, right. but you're not a good football team and it's time to take the game back. And then he fumbles and then, and then they don't take the game back. And it just, it really is like, there's a lot to talk about, but you can't do any of the talking about the process without the talking about the fact that it's impossible to win with six turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really that's as we're going to talk, we're going to give you some deeper analysis, but like, that's the main point. Like 80% of this game is the fact they turn the football over so much. Like you just, you can't execute good ball. And I, again, like I think we talked about this on the post game reaction show and going back and watching it, I feel like they're like effort fumbles. And what I mean by that, mm -hmm. it's like, they're trying too hard to like break another tackle like the one on logan like i don't know how you hold on to that ball like I, I, someone was talking to me about it like oh he's got to hold on it's like basically he take like this has happened to me so speaking from experience if you take that shoulder pad or that helmet right on the ball it's like damn near impossible to hold on to it so like and i don't think he's like he's got hands on like it's it's tight yeah he's got tight. like two hands on the ball he's falling down um and it's just a direct hit to the right part of the ball and I hate to like they just you, I don't care how strong you are like unless you're down like that ball is coming out like I had one a couple when we were playing Kansas City it was raining high and tight like kind of put my shoulder on a guy and I didn't see this other defender coming and he put his helmet like literally on the ball and I remember looking down and watching the ball squirt across my body towards the sideline and I was just like I had I, and I even had two hands on it it just squirted right through both my hands so um again like that's tough even the Chris Rodriguez, or bicep curls bro come on yeah I need to do something <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, even the one with uh, Chris Rodriguez, like he's running hard. Like I thought he had a great game, like obviously yeah. excluding the fumble, but like his vision, his power, his contact balance, it's like, man, like that's awesome. As a pure runner, like he's probably the best on the team. But then he's running hard. He's fighting for the extra yard. Ball comes out. B. Rob's fumble late. Like he's trying his face off. Ball comes out. So, and, you know, Pringle, we're going to talk about him for a second. He's got a good return going fighting for extra yards ball comes out so i think it's just a little bit serendipity a little bit of stressing about trying to make a play and you yeah. probably don't have to just like you like the one that chris rodriguez is so interesting because it's it's like literally a seven yard run and he's fighting yeah. for an eighth yard and the ball comes out it's like that's right. a good play it is and i think it's you know it's just knowing when to say when and like yeah. oh, we've had enough and like let me let me get down safely and and live to fight another down but that's not the nature of football 
Um, yep. It's really easy to sit here in the in a cushy, you know, studio or the, the comfort of our homes and be like, yeah, man, just take the seven yards and get down. And, you know, as a coach, like, that's probably what we'd, we'd be saying is like, hey, you got to you got to just know when you're exposed. Like, hey, if I'm in this position, if I'm Logan Thomas, like I'm exposed that that hit is available. And, you know, because you've already made contact that there's guys rallying to the ball to punch it out at that point, especially against the Giants. Like, that's what they do. They're they're coached on that stuff very, very well. This is something they do week in and week out. So, like, you got to know, hey, if you take contact and you're not like you're yeah fight for yards but like also like hug the hell out of the ball and and try to get down because you're going to have guys coming in and punching at it and then you get in the the emotions of the game and you're trying to fight your face off and that's the nature Mm -hmm. of it so it's it's a level of discipline um but that's so much easier said than done. Like that yeah. is the solution, right? Um, we can acknowledge that while also going like, God, that's so hard on a game day to execute. It's true. And I think um, like I, one of my, uh, one of the fumbles, that, the, the fumble that taught me this was against the Giants in 2014. I caught like a five yard out and like I was a big guy and DBs didn't like tackling me. So I was up and I was kind of rumbling through some contact and the corner, so it was the safety and the linebacker were on my legs and he came up and I could feel him like attacking the fingers of my hand. And I was like, oh no, like this ball's about to come out. And I could not get to the ground quick enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause yeah. he was just literally like peeling the fingers off the ball. Mm-hmm. And I just think it, I, it, it just taught me after that. I was like, the most important thing is the ball. And sometimes you need, you need to play like that just to remember like, Hey, like as much as I want to be big and bad and, and, you know, dent face masks and, and knock people on the ground when I got the ball in my hands, like, that's the thing that is is the most important about this game, and it, sometimes it takes one of these to, to remind you of that. So, yeah. um, obviously, that's the main point. I, I think the the secondary point here is something that we talked about when we were watching clips. Um, is that I think the Giants deserve a ton of credit. Like they, when you look at the concepts that um, EB was running and this offense was running. I thought the quick game was there for the most part. I thought there was some stuff early where the Giants did some creative stuff and took some stuff away. But on the whole, the the quick game was there. I think it was like the mid the mid level shot and the deep shot that the Giants did such a good job of taking away from a coverage standpoint. And one of the reasons they did a good job of that is because the rush, their rush, was really dialed in. Like Dexter Lawrence was an absolute unit. Like he just did such a fantastic job. Um, of just creating consistent pressure, being disruptive in the run game. The line stunts they ran, like the lines, the way they ran their line stunts, I thought, especially on third down, just uh, exploited pressure looks, ex- exploited protection looks, excuse me. Like we just saw the one that led to Dexter Lawrence sack, like slides going left. It's a five-man pro, man side to the right. And they run a stunt in a way that, makes it hard for the guard and tackle for the guard and center to be right. And you end up getting a sack and they did that, you know, with four man, four rushers. And I just, I thought they just did a really good job of consistently creating pressure. And it wasn't just Dexter Lawrence, obviously cave on cave on Thibodeau. And everyone says, Oh, Leno has a hard time with cave on Thibodeau. But I thought in addition to cave on Thibodeau, having some good rushes, there was also, they moved him around the front quite a bit. They stunned him yeah. quite a bit. And that, that was a very, it was a, it was masterfully done. It was a, it was a well-coached, defensive line and the secondary was well coached in terms of how they were matching concepts and it made it very challenging for for the offense outside of the turnovers to be successful how god there's a couple questions i guess i have um so it feels like i'm gonna make them kind of cohesive 
right? It feels like EB runs the offense and there's not, I don't want to say a care, but there's not like an emphasis on personnel, right? Whether sure. his own or the other team, right? So if I'm designing a protection plan, I, I remember talking to coaches about this, like back in the day when I was on the beat and you know, you're about to face the Rams and it's like, Hey, we're going to, if we lose, we lose, but we're not letting Donald beat us. Like right. we have to have a protection plan for 99. We are not going to let the thing that they want to do, make it the path of least resistance to beat us by the same token on the offensive like side of personnel it doesn't seem like there's a crazy emphasis in getting the ball to the playmakers mm -hmm. um terry jahan etc where like logan thomas again has a ton of targets and logan's a good player but he's not as explosive as jahan and terry and this offense hasn't been designed for wide receivers in a while in kansas city mm -hmm. because travis kelsey was their best player and it worked out that way um, you go back to, and then like the other thing too is, you know, you, I was talking about this with, with someone in the locker room after the game, like when it, this offense was cooking in Kansas city with Tyreek, like Tyreek, you can't count as a regular wide receiver correct? because he breaks coverage with speed in a way that literally no one else, like Jahan and Terry run four threes and Tyreek smokes them. Right. Um, like they're 95 on Madden speed. He's 114. Right. And so like you watch him run through cover two and you're like, okay, well, the, like the routes that are deep routes that quote unquote should work because they used to work with Tyreek Hill aren't going to work with these guys because they're regular NFL fast. And so I, I just wonder like when you watch the tape of a game like this, is it too easy to let, and look, Dexter Lawrence is great. You know, him, his ability to overcome stuff is why he's him. Right. But is it too easy for Dexter Lawrence to get the things that he wants and for Wink to get the things he wants with Dexter Lawrence? And could that be avoided with some quick, easy stuff to playmakers who where you don't have to win with the pen and you can win with Jahan Dotson juking someone in space? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think, you know, there was some stuff like that in this game. You know, there was a screen early to Terry. There yep. was a, a couple slants to Terry. You know, Terry's... It seems like those. in some big situations, they did go to Terry. And I'm glad you brought that up because that yeah. is the one situation where it's like, oh, it's third down. We got to have it. Like, let's get Terry isolated on a slant and, and he'll win. And and they did a great... And like, so when I say quick game, like that's all quick game stuff, yeah. you know, that they did a good job of. They ran a, a screen, uh, like a, just like a now screen to... Um, Diami and I thought Diami did a great job getting eight yards on that. So there was stuff yeah. like that in the game, like a plan for the pressure. I think the thing that was surprising to me, and you were talking about protection plan, is I think one of the things that I, you know, going into the game, I was like, well, Wink's going to bring a lot of pressure, and he and he brought a fair amount. And when we say pressure, he's bringing like five man pressures. He's not bringing his exotic blitzes the way that you kind of thought he would, right? He really had a good five-man rush plan five and four-man rush plan yeah a lot of simulated pressure correct which is something that i was not expecting so when it comes to planning for for dexter lawrence i think it's like a secondary concern to wink and i think in this case like you had a plan for winks protection issues that he presents but that does compromise your ability to develop a good cohesive comprehensive plan against Dexter Lawrence and I do think that they did some stuff like they sent the slide to him you know they, they left chippers in but ultimately like the thing about a nose guard unlike a three technique is he's not you can't slide the pro to a nose necessarily and I think that's one of the things like on that protection we were just describing where you get the sack by Dexter Lawrence like he's playing a true nose and they have a everyone's covered up they have five kind of rushers potential rushers at the line of scrimmage. It's a five-man pro, right? So Dexter Lawrence starts at the nose and he stunts. 
and he basically picks um, Chris Paul while he's pass protecting number 55, who is now looping to the opposite A-gap. And so because Dexter Lawrence is so good, you have two guys on him right there, right? But because of the protection rules and because of how the slide works, you know, he doesn't know, uh, Larson doesn't know if Cosme's able to help him in the slide or not because he's a nose guard. If it's a three technique, you have a natural double team there right now, right, with the center and the guard. But because of how they've, they've spaced the front here, you can't do that. And I think that's one of the one of the advantages, you know, like you hear guys around, you know, commenting on this is like really nerdy football stuff. But the advantages of having a pass rushing nose are really dramatic, you know, because they allow you to find some of these matchups that are really hard for protections to account for. And that's what you saw in this game a little bit. And obviously Dexter Lawrence is going to win one-on-ones, but I do think there is an element of scheme elevating his production in this game. And like when you go back and watch the clips, like, I don't want to say every play, but it feels like every play, whether it's a run or whether it's a pass, he is getting penetration, he's being disruptive, and I, I think for, for some of the reasons we just described. Yeah, he's just really freaking good. As for Sam's day, what do we see when we go back and watch? I mean, we watched a couple of the picks, and it's like, those are good decisions and bad throws. Um, yeah. And obviously the one late, same kind of thing. If he's truly trying to throw it out of bounds, like that's the correct thing. And he just horrendously underthrows it. Throw. Um, you know, the one to Jahan, like you, their protection breaks down, not necessarily because anybody in particular loses, but again, like a good pressure from Wink, take advantage of what the commanders are trying to do. All of a sudden it's a jailbreak. Sam's running out. He sees Jahan looping open, tries to throw it, doesn't get enough on it. Pick. Uh, he overthrows the one to Diami, but it's a good yeah. decision. If he throws it out in the grass, Diami probably is able to run underneath it for a big play. Um, so the the three picks like actually are, to me, not the worst uh, of things, although the last one, obviously, results-wise, is about as bad as you can get. Right. Um, but process-wise, not bad, but he just also never really gets going. There's nothing major that happens in the game outside of those. I think that's the thing that I would just kind of look at you know, with him is you know the first pick I think that's the right decision bad ball the pick to D, uh, the pick to Jahan I think he's coming open I think he probably makes that throw last week but misses it kind of badly inside whatever yeah. whatever the reason um, but I think outside of that even I just don't think he got settled in I think um, whether it was the pressure and there was a there was a fair amount of consistent relatively quick pressure that kind of unsettled him like we watched the the touchdown or not the touchdown the, the red zone sequence the one where he throws the ball to logan yep. thomas and i think that kind of encapsulates his day i think you know logan thomas is coming open but sam's a little accelerated the back's open in the flat curtis is coming open across the middle and if you can just let that breathe and marinate for a second i think you probably feel that you know if you get to the top of your drop take your hitch like you're supposed to, you're like oh i can get the ball to the back or i can get the ball to curtis right. like oh that that window to logan's real tight that's probably because that guy's not supposed to be there oh look curtis is wide open right and i say oh well and i'm sure fans are listening be like well why doesn't he do that and dexter lawrence has a pressure on that play and i really felt like that was something that just changed the landscape of this game in, in a way that you know, we talked about how that was going to be an important matchup in the pregame, but it it had even it had such an outsized impact because there's a, a play later in the game where it's it's not a play action, but it's kind of like a shot look, right? Where Jahan is running like an out up back to a comeback, and Dexter gets a quick pressure, and so Sam's got to vacate. He ends up scrambling for a big play, twenty yard gain, but Jahan is wide open in the middle of the field. And talk about a play that would have 
change the landscape of the game. Like that would have changed the landscape of the game. It would have been a completion. Jahan, there's nobody around him. He's one-on-one with the safety. Who knows what happens, right? Right. So I think there's play, like there's just so many plays like that. And then I think in addition to that, you know, first off, I thought, um, you know, uh, EB did a great job designing like Logan Thomas's first catch. I wanted to call attention to that. It's out of 13. It's like a sail route. Beautiful. He came back to that play a couple times, and I thought the Giants did a really good job of matching it and saying, we, we, we understand what you're trying to do and how you're trying to attack us. And so there's not a lot of air to throw those footballs. And so how the Giants adjusted in terms of attacking and matching concepts coupled with the pass rush, I think just made it very hard for Sam to get settled in. And one of the things, you know, I was listening to some analysts that PFF did uh, or analysis that PFF did on this game, and Sam had zero big-time throws in this game. Which is, which is crazy very, for him. Yeah, which is very He leads the league in him. Yeah, he leads the league. And, he, you know, in terms of percentage rate, he's like 10th or 9th. You know, he's got a very high percentage in, a, in, a, in addition to having a, a lot of volume. Um, and I think when you look back at his best performances, there's always a couple of just like wow plays. You look at the New England game, there's probably four or five. Look at Seattle, there's probably four or five. And this game, there was zero. And I think that is that's the thing that is the most different about this game. I thought he did fine with the quick game. I thought he did fine with the keepers, but at that mid level to deep where he's been kind of exceptional and you see kind of the reason people are talking about him in this, in this light as being the guy that just that magic wasn't there today. And, um, and I think that's probably the biggest difference in the performance. It's something that if he wants to be really good in this league, he's going to have to adapt to because, I mean, you've seen it with Mahomes. Um, the mm-hmm. offense, when they had Tyreek, was able to hit a lot of that deep stuff. And what happened is also the nature of this offense and the ability for them to create misdirection and kind of leak guys out and have big plays. Teams just started saying, we're not doing that. Like, we're not yeah. letting you beat us deep. And Mahomes That's- became so absurdly efficient underneath that they've still been Super Bowl caliber. Um, and obviously... This year has been a little bit different. Their receivers are struggling and they can't seem to catch anything. Um, and then the one or two shots a game, like Valdez scanning, scanning drops it last night. Um, and when those opportunities come, you have to hit them. Um, but like the reason Mahomes is still the MVP and is still so good is because he he just became ruthless underneath. Yeah. Very Brady-esque um, in the way that, that Tom used to dominate. And so, you know, Sam is now 12, 13 starts into his career it's okay for a young guy to have uh, an off day. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's not the guy that, that his trajectory is really any different than it was. It's just kind of, you know, team, more teams are going to do this. Like you have to one, be able to take those opportunities when they come, stay patient, still look for them, trust the, you know, go through the proper process and hit them when they're there, but also just understand that that means there's stuff open underneath and the timing of that stuff has to be better so that you can just, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts it. But I would also say in respect to this game, it's impossible to sustain long drives when you fumble. So, you know, so much for that plan. Yeah. And also I think, you know, one of the reasons that they ran the ball so well is they were running them into pretty advantageous looks here. I thought, you know, because there were some kind of softer coverage structures. There wasn't a lot of like single high. It's a lot of two shell looks, guys back off the ball guys deep and then they're kind of relying on their front six to kind of make a bunch of plays and they couldn't in a lot of instances and i think that's one of the reasons why db's credit that he leaned into that but i think you know like we've talked about this before and you've talked about um you know rushing frequency and what's the tipping point for the perfect dpa for the offense And i think in this game like 
the fact they were running the ball so well was because of what Wink was trying to do. Because I think, you know, when you look at the scouting report for this team, you've said this for probably four weeks now on the pregame show. If you were a defensive coordinator, you would play like the softest cover two quarters, cover six, down in and down out and be like, hey, man, you are going to run the football. Right. I dare you. And in this game, they did it. And I think the thing that is is frustrating about it is that it feels like the right approach because you can get them out of that stuff. Then you can get back to some of those shot plays like we were talking about and describing and Sam makes it easier for Sam. But you turn the ball over so much, you can't. You, you can't never get, get back to the going, shots, you know, yeah. and like so. I think that that's to me that's that's a that feels like what's going on with this team with, with, in this game. You know, it'll be interesting interesting to see if Dallas abides by the same principle because they, while not not as dramatic in terms of pressure rate as Wink Martindale, they rely on their front four and um, Michael Parsons create a ton of pressure. Like, do they say, "Hey, man, we're going to kind of adopt a similar approach here and and force you to." Um, force you to run the ball more than you want to run it so yeah we trust that you'll throw a pick six to Duran Bland because everyone else seems to like we'll <laughs> we'll trust you to make the mistakes and that's the challenge of it right and that's why there is that tipping point because long drives are hard to sustain and you have to at some point in there turn that soft you know coverage back around they start to cheat up a little bit and you hit the, the big one and they never right. got to that in this game last thing real quick I want to I want to touch on um it does feel like EB is a bit predictable. And even when they like try to subvert expectations, if you will, it, it almost feels like, oh, we're in 13 personnel. How yeah. don't don't <laughs> expect to pass from us. And like the, the deep shot to Diami is is out of 13. Right. Um, you know, there there's a couple of other times in this game where they bring in the big personnel and you know, it's like, ah, oh, we're gonna subvert expectations, except for when you do when you break the tendency so often, you're not actually breaking the tendency. You're doing your tendency. That's how tendencies work. And I'm just curious if you if you feel that when you're going back and watching the tape. Cause we talked about like how well the Giants did subverting expectation and kind of the contrast I think is interesting. Right. So um I just feel like you know, maybe it's because we watch the team every week, but like that's what scouts do. So right. if I can see it you know, professional scouts and, and advanced scouts can see it, but it just feels like when they used to bring in Alex Arma, although they were better about it with him, they bring yeah. in Alex Arma, like I'm prepared for play action. They bring in right. 13 personnel in this game. I'm prepared for play action as opposed to like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta stop the run. Oh no, they got us. Like they, they don't, they don't get that reaction from a defense because it feels very predictable. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, there's like the overarching tendency of what EB wants to do, which we've talked about pretty extensively. You know, and I think the thing, like, for example, they are in 12 personnel. They motion Bates to the backfield as a fullback. And it's like they're probably going to run a play action here. And they, they run a play action, right? And, you know, and I understand. You like you like the concept. You're trying to take advantage of a thing you like, a matchup you like. And they end up checking the ball down to Bates. ends up being an eight-yard gain. So there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I think there are plays that EB likes. I think there are, there are concepts that EB likes. I think they tend to skew toward those concepts like you know in the red zone they're going to run i'll go special and they're going to try and get the back up the seam and that works you know but if you run it all the time people are going to be ready for it right right and it's and a lot so, of similar down and distance stuff too where it's like come on like we know we know based off that that you're going to do this right and i and i think most coordinators have strong tendencies and i think um like you know like this we talk about kyle a lot like kyle has plays that he loves and he's going to get those plays called a couple of times. I think the thing about Kyle is that when you watch it, 
you know, and I've seen guys, you know, like uh, Schwartz does breakdowns of the runs and all this stuff. And he's like, look at this run. And, you know, I've been in the system. So I'm like, oh, like that's just Zorro, but he's doing it out of 10 personnel with the receiver and they're motioning, you know, and you're just, and it's the same run. It's the same rules for everybody, but it's, dis- it's disguised in his presentation or like this play action out of this shift and this little bump motion right. and right. And, and it's the same concepts. It just looks different. And I think there are times where it feel, it looks too similar. You know, if I was going to, if, if EB asked me, I'd say, like, there's times where I feel like it kind of falls in like, oh yeah, like you liked at a three by one, you like to run sale. Like, here you go. And I think that's one of the things about the, the, the first completion or the second completion of Logan Thomas down in the low red that leads to the field goal is it's out of 13, they motion to it and it feels different. And all of a sudden it's sale and it's wide open. And you're like, oh, that's mm. just a beautiful play to dine. So he's got that in there. You know what I mean? But also I think like, I'm I'm always of the mindset because of the guys that I played for that you can do that more. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. because of Kyle, because of Sean, I'm always like do that all the time. And that's not, that's an unrealistic expectation, but I think you can do it more. Um, but I think to 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 counter my own argument, I think he's been very successful with what he's done. Kind of yeah. getting because there is there is a school of thought saying that we are just going to run these concepts and know these concepts better than you can cover cover them and i think there's a lot of value there um but in this game obviously that that didn't play out the way it, it, and i end up and a big part of it we're going to say this a million times excuse me turn the football over six times and right. it, it's hard to get to the the second level stuff when you can never get past the first level because you fumble right and i think the other thing is like you this you're, this is just like a different way of saying what you just said is like there is um you want to layer stuff, right? You want to kind right. of get to the play action pass, but in the back of the defense's mind, when you're down and you're trying to score points, they're like, they're going to throw the ball. Like even, even it's so funny, even like, um, you know, when I was, when I'm the, when I'm the OC at the high school, whatever you, you throw an interception, right. And you're just like, it, it's seven to zero. Nothing about the game has changed, but every coach comes up to you. Like, I like these four passes. I like in, because you feel this urgency and this rush, and defenses know that too. And you could see that. They were like, they're going to throw to get back in this game because there's an urgency. And I thought that's why I thought the drive, um, you know, where ultimately Chris Rodriguez fumbles was so brilliant. And the, and the drive that they got the field goal on was so brilliant because they ran the ball a ton. They were very patient. And then after that, that's when you felt that urgency come because the Giants were kind of moving the ball a little bit offensively. Right. And it just changes the dynamic instantly. So. Yeah, I think the other element of that is like managing the quarterback. Um, he mm-hmm. is still young and still is inexperienced. And if you watch Chiefs Eagles last night, especially in the first half, obviously the Chiefs offense uh, didn't do squadoosh in the second. Uh, but in, in, in the first half, like you watch all the orbit motions, you watch them, you know, zing Kadarius Tony here and throw this smoke screen, uh, you know, where Mahomes has the option at the line to abort the run there. And like, Mahomes on every single play is is barking something different and there's just a command and kind of a layering yeah. of the offense that is next level because he's been in that system with Andy for a long time and if you were to go back and watch like first year Mahomes I'm curious how much of that you would see and so you know Sam over the course of time whether it's with EB or whoever is here next like hopefully that's something he can develop um, but if I was EB like last time we kind of ran into this rut, I put more on him and things got better. So that's also another thing to consider if I'm mm. if I'm Eric over these maybe not Thursday, but like over the mini buy and then over the big buy, like can we find things to to implement uh, that can help Sam have a few more answers and 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 disguise things a little more, et cetera, et cetera. 
All right, that's our show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a quick preview of the Cowboys game, and then we'll instant reaction it, not quite instantly. We'll do that Friday morning uh, after enjoying our Thanksgiving. So hope uh, everyone has a great week. Safe travels if you are traveling to wherever you are going, and we will see you tomorrow here on Take Command.